0: I was reviewing a PRD, really, it was a specification for a big new feature for a product that I'm associated with the other day. And I realized that like most PRDs, it had no stories in it. In fact, like most requirements or user stories, it actually didn't have any stories. Now, what do I mean by stories? In this case, it's a simple rubric. That's a problem we're solving and some promise of a transformational or at least worthwhile solution. And then comes the, what we're going to do to solve the problem and deliver the transformation. In other words, the features we're planning to build. So that's what I would love to see, something about a problem, something about what the transformation will be, and then how we're going to achieve that. And that got me thinking about PRDs in general. Now, the overall argument of this episode and a couple of following episodes, PRDs, the way they're done today are problematic. And there are some things we can do. So let's think about what we're trying to accomplish with the PRD and also overall with our product. Is there a way to accomplish more of what we want overall by improving the way we do prds that will also make the prds themselves more valuable and enduring well i think there are and i'll be talking about those things we can do some are mindset some are small techniques some might require some extra work done at one point that ideally leads to less work and disappointment at later stages so this is the first of several episodes about some new thinking on prds i'm nils davis and you're listening to episode 149 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast, I'm excited and a little trepiditious about what I'm going to be talking about today in the next few episodes. might be slightly contentious, and it's really about the PRD. Now, that stands for Product Requirements Document, but I recommend you forget about all three of those words. I'll talk about why in a little bit, and just think of the PRD as a concept. In particular, it's not That traditional single monolithic document describes all the features of a new product or new capability, but conceptually it's something like that. It's the wiki page, or it could be a document or a set of entities that describe what we plan to build with all the required details like acceptance criteria and UX designs and things like that. So why are they problematic? What are the problems? One of the big things is that they're often more about the how. Instead of the what and the why now the how is really a solution space kind of concept, whereas what and why are more problem space. This means that PRDs often end up being very prescriptive, which is a problem for the developers because it doesn't give them enough autonomy or opportunities to create great solutions. In the world of making products, product managers are really mostly responsible for the problem for finding the problems, articulating them, figuring out whether they're worth solving. And then we work with our dev team to figure out how to solve them, to figure out the solution part. And really they're the experts in solutions and we're the experts in problems. Another problem with PRDs is they're often written at a point in time of high uncertainty before we started to build anything or learn what solutions would actually work for customers. And there's usually no good way to reflect those learnings back into the PRD. What we know changes constantly, and yet the PRD has a hard time changing in response, at least the way that we do it today. Another problem, and this is something that multiple product managers I know said to me, no one reads them. They're not engaging, but they could be. This thing that we're going to build should have a meaningful impact on our customers and on our business. That should be interesting, not just to us, but to lots of folks within the business. And yet, the way we write PRDs today, they're not interesting. Now, in most cases, PRDs also cease to be of any use once the product or capability is built meaning they can't be used for go-to-market activities, for example, or for forensic activities. In my opinion, this is a waste. We've spent a lot of effort to build the PRD. Why does it not have a life beyond simply once the capability was built? I think we can do better on that. Now, unbelievably to me, the final point is that here we are in the history of product management. We know a lot about how we really need to be focused on the customer and their problem. And most PRDs don't talk much about the customer or the market problem that we're solving, why the market problem is worth solving, etc. So key information that would help motivate the developers, help us check that what we're building is aligned with our goals and expectations, and of course, extremely valuable for go to market. I keep talking about go to market, usually the PRD is totally dead by the time go to market starts. Let me do a little short sidebar on the lexicon, because I mentioned that you should ignore the words in the PRD product requirements document. Product, well, a lot of times we're really not talking about a product, we're talking about maybe a capability or a large function or a feature within the product. It may be a new component that adds on to an existing product. It may be a new version of an existing product. So the name is not really perfect for a lot of the uses we put to. And that to me is always a red flag. We've got this name for something and it doesn't actually match what we're doing. Isn't that a problem potentially? Then there's the word requirements. And this is a holdover from the very old days when the requirements were actually required when the customer wrote the PRD. Think about the DOD acquiring a fighter jet. The fighter jet has to meet all the requirements or it won't be fit for service and the DOD won't pay for it. In other words, they really were required and the DOD will not pay for anything that's not in the requirements. They won't accept any gold plating. Now, what we put into our feature specifications today or our, what we call PRDs, they're not really required in most cases. They're things we'd like to release, but are they truly required? Not usually. In fact, We may learn as we start to build that something we thought was important is not important. And we might find out that there's other things that are important that we didn't even document in the first place. It doesn't mean required anymore. The word requirements is meaningless in this context. It's not required. And of course, it's often no longer a document. It might be a shell with links to lots of other components. Let's keep all those caveats in mind when talking about a PRD. It's just a name. Don't let the literal meanings of the words influence your your thinking. So there are quite a few things that are true about these artifacts, whatever you call them. One of the truest things is they go stale very quickly, I already mentioned this, and there's several reasons. One is that the capability that's created varies from what was originally written down, usually for good reasons, like you learn new things while building, or you need to reduce scope due to resource constraints, or due to something else more important coming along and reducing scope on this capability. And then the original documentation that describes the capability is not updated to match the actual delivered capability. And of course, and another reason this can happen is just at, in the course of things, you realize that some aspects of what you thought would be necessary for the capability are actually only nice to have and not critical for delivering the value. So you decide to prune out some of the features, but the PRD doesn't get pruned to reflect this. Or alternatively, you might realize, oh, there's some things I missed. I need to build those as well. But again, the PRD doesn't get updated to reflect this. But I think there's another reason that PRDs lose their value and that's because they often only contain technical information. It doesn't contain what I would consider to be the core information about the capability, which is who it's for, why they need it, and what transformation that will enable for them. Now, when you've finished implementing the capability and you hand the product off to sales and marketing to sell it, are they going to be able to use the PRD to help them figure out who to market to, what to say to them, and how to sell prospects who come in? Usually, For most PRDs, it's useless to them. So once the technical work is done, it's obsolete. And because there were changes made that were captured, it's not even much use as a reference or forensic tool for the technical team. I consider these all to be false. Let's think about what we're trying to accomplish with the PRD in itself, but also overall, what are our goals with the product as we build things? Well, the PRD is obviously meant to give guidance and direction on where we want the product to go next, if it already exists or where it needs to go to be successful. What makes a successful product is it solves a worthwhile problem for customers that's important enough that they're willing to pay for a solution in a way that's superior to their other alternatives. So the PRD should at least include that stuff. What's the worthwhile problem we're solving? What is necessary to make our solution superior to the prospect's other alternatives? And that will help us achieve our overall goal with that PRD. So what would a better world look like? The PRD continues to be a living reference for the implementation of the capability, including decisions and changes made during the building process. In other words, it doesn't go stale. You also want the PRD to actually be useful for marketing and sales to use to figure out how to sell the capability. We have to come up with this information anyway and share it with marketing and sales. Let's put it into the PRD. Now you might be getting the idea that my vision of the PRD is maybe a little bit bigger than what we often talk about, and that's actually true. Is that manageable? Well, we'll start to talk about that in some future episodes. You also want the PRD to be motivating to the development team. It's not just a bunch of stuff that they have to build. Let's talk about how we can achieve some of these goals. How can we make PRDs better? Well, I think it's a kind of a natural evolution and it's not difficult to make at least the initial inroads to addressing some of these challenges. First of all, good rule of thumb. I've already talked about it 15 times probably. The PRD should talk about the why And at least some of the, what, but not the, how of the functionality, not even all the, what, because the solutioning part of the process will often determine the, what, and what, what do I mean by the, what the, why is the problem and why the problems we're solving and the transformation we're going to do. The, how is the technical design? The, what is, oh, we're going to create a new UI for this. That would be something like that. And then the, how would be how that was going to be developed. But the reality is we don't know. At the time of writing the prd and in our role as product people should we build a new ui or should we just build something within the existing ui well answers to questions like that arise out of the solutioning and not or at least it should not be inherent in the prd itself instead as i say the prd should be focused on the why the problem we're solving and why it's important and the acceptance criteria which are the characteristics of a good solution to this problem that we're trying to solve Now. The acceptance criteria create a structure within which the development team can work. The acceptance criteria, by the way, can include things like competitive differentiators. Because to be successful, that is a good solution, it has to provide differentiators versus competitors. Not every capability is going to create competitive differentiators, but if you expect this capability to do it, that's probably something you should mention in the PRD. I'm encouraging you to stay tuned for the rest of this conversation. This has been a teaser because obviously I'm leaving you hanging here. I've described the current situation. I've hinted at the promised land, but I haven't really given you much that you can apply to put these ideas into practice or really a whole new theory about PRDs, which I do have. And I'm working on additional episodes that will come out very soon. So I'll get into a lot more details about how to do this all. This has been episode 149 of The Secrets of Product Management. The show notes, as usual... Are at the secrets of PM.com slash 149. And my promise is that episode 150 will give a lot more information about PRDs and what we can do about them. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope this whetted your appetite for some more information. Definitely let me know if you have questions or things you want me to answer about PRDs, and we'll either get them into episode 150 or to a future episode about PRDs. I think this is a really interesting and potentially life changing kind of new, new way of thinking that I'll be sharing life-changing, probably not. Product success changing, definitely. So stay tuned. Let me know your thoughts. And until next time, this is Nels Davis. Bye-bye.